0: Tika.com
1: I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is the way we live now. Today is day 65, since the elbow bump is the new handshake, and day 23 of this podcast. My guest today is Gabe Riddell Traub. Gabe was a fourth-year medical student, looking forward to graduating from NYU this spring. But then he got the call. Gabe, thanks for joining me to talk about the way we live now.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: So describe your surroundings right now for us. Where are you? Where are you sitting as you're talking to me?
0: Today I have the day off. So I'm actually, I'm sitting at home um, at my dining room table. I've been a little bit prior to all this you know, new world that we've been living in starting, I, I've been trying my hand at having a little bit of a green thumb. So I have a bunch of plants in front of me that I'm looking at, which is nice on this kind of gray day.
1: Mm. And are you in Brooklyn? Is that right? I'm in Manhattan. Uh-huh.
0: Um, yeah. So I, I live pretty near um, Bellevue and, and the NYU hospital where mm-hmm. I've been working.
1: Mm-hmm. What are the streets of of Manhattan around there? feeling like right now
0: pretty quiet still I mean I, I I've noticed it get busier over the last couple maybe week or two mm-hmm. um, you know in the very beginning of of quarantining I, I I was talking to some friends and kind of likening it to Christmas morning in in New York in a, in a funny way because all the shops are closed mm-hmm. the, the streets are super sleepy and quiet and you know, and one, one way of looking at it, it's eerie and weird, but in another way, there's, you know, something kind of nice uh, to have New York kind of so quiet.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On March 24th, you were a fourth-year medical student at NYU when you got an email with the subject line, we ask for your help. Who was that email from, and what was being asked of you?
0: Yeah, so it was um, the dean of students at the medical school, and um, we were being asked to volunteer to graduate early um, and join the work- workforce um, as physicians, kind of right as the the wave, major wave of, of the pandemic was, was entering New York City hospitals.
1: And did you have some sense, you and your classmates, that that email might be coming?
0: Yeah, I think that there was a, a feeling that it might come, you know, based on what had happened already in Europe, you know, in Italy and, and the UK, junior doctors and, and and students there had been kind of accelerated ahead of schedule to to higher levels. So I think there was a feeling that that we may be called upon, but there was also a, a feeling amongst many of my classmates um of of wanting to help and kind of stepping in even before we were asked. So some of my classmates started a you know this major donation effort to to gather p p e and donate it across all the hospitals in new york city so there there was kind of even even before we were more officially called upon, there was um, efforts underway
1: mm-hmm. Was there much discussion between you and your classmates about just the question of this was entirely strictly voluntary, yeah, that's right, so was there much conversation about? doing it or not doing it? Or was it your sense that most of you were committed to uh, graduating early and and getting to work?
0: I mean, my honest first reaction was, was a lot, there was a lot of hesitation in me. Um, And the first thing I did was kind of text uh, a couple of my friends in the class to kind of see where people's heads were at. Um, And I was Surprised and and also kind of moved at how steadfast a lot of my classmates were in terms of, you know, feeling like it was the time to step up and, and, and help. And, you know, despite me raising some questions about it, they kind of stood to the, to the kind of calling that, that we were needed and and it was our time.
1: How long did it take you to decide what you were going to do?
0: So that, you know, that whole process of of what I was just describing kind of happened all in in one, in one night. Uh Um, I immediately was like, no. And I was with my, with my girlfriend at the time who I've been with during quarantine. And, and I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not what my, you know, fourth year is supposed to be like. And, and, you know, fourth year, this second half of it for med school, med school students is kind of supposed to be like a, a brief reprieve before, before residency starts. So I was like, this is not, you know, how I feel. I want to be spending my time. And then I, I felt incredibly uneasy even in saying that. And, and I was anxious and you know, more anxious than I'd been during the previous part of, of quarantining. And and I started to kind of realize that the anxiety was this feeling of of not of not doing it. And that in deciding to do it, which happened just, you know, a couple after hours after the email, I, I kind of calmed down despite you know, new worries about, you know, what could happen to me and, and to my loved ones who I might see um, arising.
1: And you had just found out a couple of days earlier that you had, you know, you you found out where you were going to be doing your residency, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So match day is kind of a infamous day for, for med students and uh, for, for fourth year med students, because we're handed a piece of paper after you know four years of med school and going on interviews, a piece of paper that says, you know, this is where you're going to spend the next three to seven years of your life mm-hmm. uh, to continue your training. Um, and usually, there's you know a lot of kind of pomp that goes into the ceremony, and you know it's it's a it's a fun and nerve-wracking day. Um, but it, that was March twentieth was Match Day, and so it was kind of right as um, you know, official quarantining was beginning. And so the, the official event was uh, canceled and I wound up just getting an email at noon and I was it was kind of a nice day. So I was sitting in uh, Madison Square Park with a couple family members, safely social distanced, and got that email to figure out where I was going to be.
1: Mm. You know, I'm just remembering uh, last year, I guess it was, I was speaking um, at Harvard uh, Medical School in the bioethics department uh, about my, my recent book. And all of a sudden I heard this huge like outcry of like, it sounded like a rally or, you know, a sporting event and it was match day. And it Mm -hmm. was, and it was the moment when the entire medical school graduating class was gathered and they had all gotten their matches. And there are so many um, ceremonies uh, and moments that are meant to be celebratory or, or a kind of closure that, you know, that so many people aren't getting to have in so many different ways. So in a piece that you wrote on the website Medscape, you cite a passage from the Hippocratic Oath, and the passage is, I will remember that I remain a member of society with special obligations to all my fellow human beings, those sound of mind and body, as well as the infirm. And you go on to say, I'm going to fulfill my special obligations. And it sounds like in that sort of dark night of the soul that you had, you went through this whole process that brought you full circle to that sense of fulfillment of those special obligations that you've been in training for.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think there are, you know, throughout med school, there's um, kind of a, a curriculum about professionalism. I think that it's a curriculum that for me and many of my classmates we would kind of roll our eyes at when we, you know, had big lectures about how to how to be professional or what it means to be part of the the medical profession and, you know, what special responsibilities you're you're taking on because it it felt like the type of thing that a lecture-based class couldn't really address. Because of some self-selecting thing about, you know, the type of people who choose to go into medicine, I think that there was kind of a, a an amazing rallying around kind of what it means to be a doctor by, by my classmates and peers.
1: Mm. So can you describe what your experience has been over these last five or six weeks since you entered the hospital as a doctor?
0: Yeah, so... Um, I've been um, kind of entered into the NYU Internal Medicine Residency Program. In that role, I've been at Bellevue Hospital, um, which is a large public safety net hospital in New York City. Um, It's in the same um, kind of corporation as Elmhurst and Jacoby and some of the other kind of very hard hit hospitals that, that we've all heard about on the news. And my role has been that of kind of uh, an intern, which um, means that I'm on a team with senior doctor and attending doctor who kind of runs uh, or oversees patient care, and then me and two other uh, interns kind of take care of the the day-to-day tasks of of taking care of patients. And for the first couple weeks, the my team and basically every team in the hospital was entirely taking care of of COVID patients there. Basically, all other hospital operations had had, had come to a halt. Um, but more recently, we've started seeing kind of more, a little bit more diversity in terms of the type of um, kind of presenting symptoms and reasons for people to come into the hospital.
1: So now more people are entering the hospital who are not COVID patients. That, that's that been lifted a little bit in New York?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's always been, you know, there, there hasn't been any official Restrictions on who who can come in it's just been for the first couple weeks of of kind of the major wave of the pandemic, it was just the only people who were really coming into the hospital and who were requiring kind of inpatient stays were were coronavirus patients mm-hmm. um, and you know more recently, some of the other kind of traditional things that we see relatively often in the hospital, like you know diabetes or heart disease or cancer, those sorts of things have started um, kind of re-popping up.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you say has been the hardest thing? I, I had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, a nurse uh, at Mount Sinai named Eileen McStay, who was working in a, a ward that had been turned, you know, entirely into COVID, a COVID unit. And she was talking about the way that she can't hold the hands of her her patients who were you know who were so sick and in many cases dying what what have you found to be most difficult if you can talk about that?
0: yeah, I mean just to echo um that point, I think that you know the hospitals are are often kind of lonely and sad places, but even amidst you know the sickness and 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 suffering, there are often chances for for real human connection and whether that's between a patient and their family or um, a patient and their doctor or a patient's family and the doctor um or any of the healthcare staff. You know, those things for me have kind of during my um earlier training as a as a medical student were were really uplifting and kind of kept me going. And those those sorts of interactions because of you know restrictions on who can come into the hospital in an effort to stop the spread of, of COVID those interactions have been fewer and far between and you know entering patients rooms you know dressed from head to toe and in, in in protection means that it, it's really hard to have you know a, a real connection with with the patient i think another thing that has been hard for me kind of in my role as going from medical student to to doctor has has been realizing that you know for, for some of the sickest patients with with coronavirus, there's not so much that we're at this point really able to do, other than try and you know slow down um, the progression of the disease, um, whether that's you know by giving oxygen or intubating. Um, you know, medical school and and my training thus far has kind of taught me that we're supposed to give medicine or do a surgery or do you know something to to get rid of the disease, and and that's not. Um, so easy right now, given the tools that we have with this new disease. So I think coming to grips with kind of our own or the, the professions, um, inability to, to fully help patients mm-hmm. has been, has been really hard.
1: Yeah. How does that feel at the end of the day when, you know, when you're, or at the end of a shift of yours, when you're, when you're coming home from the hospital?
0: early on it was it was really it was really frustrating and really difficult i mean i I had a bunch of my earliest patients that I took care of wound up you know in the ICU and then and then passing away and um you know it, it's it's incredibly distressing to to feel like like you can't do something for someone who who needs your help but I think you know there there are i think hospitals and and healthcare professionals in in general have have done a, a good job over the course of recent years and especially right now in realizing kind of the psychological effect of of that and creating space for for debriefing and and really thinking about thinking about how that how that affects us and what we take home with us
1: yeah that feels so important now perhaps more than ever i mean what are some of the things that you do or that some of your uh, other colleagues do that—that that help. Where do you put some of that distress, and have you found tools or or ways of mitigating that for yourself?
0: I, so I've I've always been a big um, biker, bicycler, and um, with the streets of New York so empty, as I as I mentioned, it's kind of sneakily a, a really nice time to be a bicycler in New York. So I've gone on. <clears throat> when i have the free time i've been going on kind of long bike rides yesterday i was able to to take a ride up and over the george Wa- <clears throat> george washington bridge mm. um and into nature a little bit which was really nice and then you know for me reading and writing have always been ways to to debrief and 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 process things that have been going on so i recently got my hands on a new translation of the odyssey and i've always been a lover of of Greek mythology, but I've never actually, to my great shame, read The Odyssey in full. So I've been reading The Odyssey, which, you know, seeing seeing what Odysseus went through Mm. provides maybe a little bit of um, perspective.
1: Perspective, yeah. (laughs) So my last question for you is, I try to end these episodes with glimmers of hope or solace. Is there anything that you can think of that has been a glimmer of hope for you in these in these weeks
0: the kind of communal effort to social distance that's gone on not only in the US but you know worldwide and has been really successful at, at stopping the or slowing the tide of, of of this pandemic has been to me kind of a really beautiful and, and heroic thing that um, the global community has engaged in together, and I think that as a healthcare worker who who started kind of right as the peak of the pandemic was coming, and and now is you know seeing it slow, I, I've seen how how effective and um, it has been. So, you know, I think that there is something kind of beautiful in that in that collective embrace of of what it what it means to be a A citizen of the world
1: Mm. that's beautiful gabe um thank you so much for taking the time when i'm sure that energy is um a, a precious commodity for you right now for taking the time to um to share your experience with us today i really appreciate it
0: of course thanks so much it was nice talking with you danny
1: you too Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on you might want to get a pen for this. 909 713 8995 That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com/slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.